Hello, Sam. Hello, Simon. <laughs> Hello, Wind. Hello, Wind. So this is the beautiful sound that I live with while living in the middle of town at the very top of a very tall building. We're at, we're at Sam's Palace. Yes. Sam's Palace is atop a very large building. And the wind is howling around us. <laughs> it's like a 70s porn penthouse. Somehow. It sounds like the apocalypse. It sounds like cats. It does sound a little bit like cats. All right, so if you found this conversation on the internet and um, you're hearing the wind in the background, we're mm. not going to apologize because we're not sorry. No. And I'm I, not sorry. I love talking to you on the internet. Well, I love talking to you, so we should just do things. Also, one of my resolutions is just like take, like when I get the instinct to do something, just do it. New Year's resolutions. Yes, which I know you really believe in. Just do things. <laughs> just do things. When the impulse strikes, you do them. Wind or sense. Exactly. Okay. It's like get more obsessive in the moment. Like follow, follow sense on the wind. Oh, you're going to waste a lot of time this year. I really <laughs> I wasted so much time last year. So I feel like last year, my biggest problem was that I had a hundred million great ideas and I didn't strike while, whilst the iron was hot sufficiently. Mm-hmm. And then I just didn't get around to doing any of the things. So do you have like an end of year ritual? Do you oh. sort of reflect oh. on the year that was? Funny question. Funny question, Simon. So actually, me and my bestie have been doing um, the same ritual for like over a decade. So it's now very special to me. Okay. So it's the kind of thing that sounds exceptionally cheesy um, because it is. So, Tell me more. Uh, actually, my piece of paper is somewhere. So take a piece of paper and we divide it into all the sections of our life that are important. And then we write down all the great things that happen in each segment of our life in the year that's just gone. Okay. So, like in my like family and friends part of my life, like what all the good things, mm-hmm. whatever. And then on the other side of the paper, what are the things I want in your head? So this sounds really lame, but what's nice is that because we've been doing it for so long, I have like a decade's worth of these things. And it's really fun if you do it every year because then you can reflect back. I thought I would do all of these things this year. And what did I actually do? And put them side by side. And what's your hit rate like? Uh, what I always find is that I'm, I'm really satisfied when I look back on my year. Okay. But that I did none of the things I thought I would do, but I did other things hmm. that were I was happier with. Jesus, listen to that. <laughs> Um, I know you you find the whole end of your thing pretty arbitrary, but I like it as like a a moment for to stop and take sort of more of a 50,000 feet view. You can't help but reflect, right? Yeah. Um, And I think that's healthy and I I get that. And and I, you know, I do it myself. I just feel like I think I do it at a very high level because I know I'm not going to, you know, adhere to any of the details. No, absolutely. Um, So what are your like high level things you've been thinking about? So... Focus, yeah, which I'm terrible at, yeah, um, and also which I don't entirely buy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, focus in a multidisciplinarian way, and we've discussed this before. Mm-hmm. In uh, do less things, not yeah. one thing, do less things, <laughs> and process them one at a time. Mm-hmm. Instead, although there's a lot to be said for pottering, yeah. And I was having this discussion with my dear friend Nick Young, um, who's I was at his cabin in in the woods. Mm-hmm. And he's kind and of. And then a giant monster emerged <laughs> from behind the tree and yes. then chopped you up. And we battled it by pottering around it until it died. <laughs> uh, no, we. Uh, so, so Nick kind of built this place himself, mm. and we were discussing how 
you know, with DIY projects or whatever, I'll kind of do a little bit of this and then I'll go over there and do a little bit of that thing mm. and then get on my computer and like carry on coding a little bit of that thing. Mm. And then, you know, go over here and like tidy up a little bit of that. And it takes a very long time. Mm. But, you know, then I'm, I kind of nail eight things at once. And yeah. then it's like, this thing's finally finished. Um. And that thing's finally... And then it all comes together in yeah. the end. Yeah. Whereas... You know, conventional wisdom and mm. every productivity podcast in the world will tell you to just focus on one thing, motherfucker, yeah. and get it done. Yeah. And yeah. I can't. No. I do things by pottering. You do. But you, but you do I a do want to try and do less things because that's mm. been a fuck show. So I have realized, though, so I tried a lot to focus um, towards the second half of last year. So I had my introversion in July. I was like, fuck this. I'm going to be completely by myself for a whole month. Fuck all humans. Humans are the worst. I hate them all. And then... Fleshy bags of bacteria. <laughs> exactly. Ew. Ew, like gross. Um... And then I decided to try and be more focused. And what Mm -hmm. I realized was, is that I was just like doing more random shit that wasn't making me happy. Like (laughs) I was reading a whole bunch of like news obsessively and watching really shitty YouTube videos because I sort of felt like, oh, I can't take on more projects because I'm trying to be more focused. Mm. But I realized that that just meant that I was using my like downtime when my little hyperactive squirrel brain needed to distract itself with things on less interesting distractions. Mm. So... Hmm. Like, I think sometimes allowing yourself to have many focuses just means that you're doing more interesting nonsense. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And that you're kind of keeping it real as well. Yeah. Um, and I also find that things shift, you know, so constantly and rapidly. Yeah. That um, if you stick to a plan, you're going to stick to it even, you know, when it becomes a bad plan. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> it's like I made this plan six months ago. Yeah. Things have changed. There are zombies now. Like, you know, cycling to work doesn't make sense anymore. I'm not going to stick to the plan. I'll die. The thing that our friend Kenny says all the time, planning is important. The plan is bullshit. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, the plan is relevant. Planning is, yeah, everything. But, but, and and we've discussed that before. Yeah. So, I mean, back to the end of the year stuff, I I can't help but reflect. And, you know, for me, it's basically like I just carry on working and then I have a big party and then things continue. But... (laughs) But I do think about what worked and what didn't, and um, and and I try, you know, like I, I try. I was listening to, you know, Tim Ferriss had a really great um, podcast, um, one of his solo shows, which is him talking about his end of the year ritual and mm. how he, he kind of does an eighty twenty analysis on his diary. So that's cool. You know, he sits with two columns, one of the plus and one of the minus, and he goes yeah. through his diary from the year mm. and he puts things in their respective columns and reflects on, you know that 80-20 kind of balance with the things that he's doing that produce the most value or make him the happiest and the things that really weren't working and taking up a lot of time, etc. So I'm not doing it justice in my explanation of the process, but I try to do a little bit of that because, Mm. you know, last year there were a lot of things that I spent a lot of time on Mm. that didn't make me happy and didn't produce that much value. Whereas something like my public speaking, I spent very little time on if you look at it compared to everything else and Mm. it produced produced like you know 10 times the value of everything else put together and a whole bunch of value different forms of value right like it was fun for you you met interesting people yeah Yeah. so travel around meet interesting people talk about rad things and get paid shit tons of money per hour yeah you know for doing something that you love so i think this is the danger yeah like the danger of the whole like adulting trap right so for every fucking like end of year buzzfeed listicle that i've seen it's like five great ways to do better at adulting in 2017 
routine. And it's all like, I don't know, how to like fold up your fucking plastic bags so that you can fit more of them in your fucking drawer. Like, like all these like Pinterest organization things. And I joke about this because I am such a sucker for this crap, right? You know this. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. the, the adulting trap, right? This, this sense of you have to be perfect and in all these little microwaves, you need to assert control in mm. all these different levels of your life. Um, that just seems like such a waste of energy when you could rather be like identifying there's this one thing that I did on one day of the year that yeah. made the biggest impact. Like if I think about the two or three days or two or three single activities that made the biggest impact in my life in 2016, the one was like I wrote a children's book in a day and I did it because I signed up for this amazing like thing called book dash where you make a book with a whole bunch of people and like i wrote and published a book and it took me one day Boom. and that one day was worth far more than the fucking dozens of hours that i flailed around going like oh i'm not writing enough you know what i mean absolutely yeah so yeah. i've realized like one of the things i'm going to try and focus more on is saying yes to those kind of like I don't know, hackathon type things or creative play dates with friends because inevitably they're the most productive days that I have. Yeah. So, wow. <laughs> also, I need to go and kill these cats. Shut up. Wait. Yeah. Um, so, there's also that that principle Scott Adams talks about in his book, um, which I had to look up because I always forget the title, How to Fail at Almost Everything and Still Win Big. Um <laughs> But he talks about how goals are for losers and systems are for winners. Yeah. And yeah. about how you develop systems that get you to a place instead mm. of just setting a goal, which is pointless. Mm. Um, I mean, you know, there's something to be said for knowing where you're going. But, yeah. you know, that's the easy part. Mm. Um, and so there are a few, like, systems I want to put in place. One of them is being better at listening. Mm. And that, because that's something I've, I've, you know, traditionally, especially in business, not been great at. Yeah. Um, so I want to, I want to get better at listening this year. Mm. Um, How are you going to get better at listening? By shutting the fuck up and listening more. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, mm. So, so, um, but, but for me, listening more is uh, a system in itself. Right. Like. I find that I'm more effective at solving problems mm. um, and adjusting strategies when I'm in listening mode um, and not in broadcasting mode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is which is kind of tough um, because I'm genetically programmed to broadcast. Yes, yeah. <laughs> right? And as we just said five minutes ago, like that's the thing that probably created the most value in your life in 2016. No, sure, but so I'm better at it. But, but, that, but so that's the dichotomy, right? Yeah. Is I'm better at it when I'm listening more. Yes. I have more to talk about in the time that I'm being asked to talk right. yeah. <laughs> when I'm listening more when nobody's asking me to talk yeah. if that makes any sense no it kind of does yeah I was so I was listening to um, Freakonomics was doing a the Freakonomics podcast was doing a rebroadcast of one of their most popular episodes uh, you know how they do at the end of the year when they're like we, we can't make new material because mm. everyone's on holiday and it was about the 10,000 hour rule yeah. so you know that thing that like Malcolm Gladwell bless his Cooked little up. socks <laughs> well no he just like badly mis-explained you know and so a whole bunch of people were like oh great if I want to become like a world famous classical pianist all I need to do is to spend 10,000 hours like playing chopsticks on the piano which isn't at all true <laughs> um, and they were talking about like the thing that's missed in that thing about practice is, is that it has to be a very specific mode of practice which deliberate. is deliberate practice yeah, yeah. Um, so I've been thinking more and more about like 
how do I focus in on the things that I care about being better at doing mm. and practicing deliberately? And how you practice deliberately is you have to disassemble the, the pieces of what you're doing and practice small bits of them in ways that have a really fast feedback loop. So it's like you don't get better at playing tennis by playing tennis games against your friends, right? You get better at playing tennis by deciding the thing that I want to work on right now is my forearm stroke whilst combating the certain kind mm. of ball I'm mm. saying uh, clearly I don't understand how tennis works and you just <laughs> do that one movement over and over again until you get better at that one movement and that's how you'll get better at tennis but you do that yeah. for like all the different component pieces of tennis right so there's a great book that to a large extent was about deliberate practice called talent is overrated mm. Um, which I thoroughly enjoyed and which we probably mentioned on the show before. But it's, uh, it's, it's a really good book about deliberate practice and about how you would think that the competencies required to be a really good chess player mm. would also refer to being a really good, I don't know, checkers player. Yeah. Um, or, you know, other snap analysis scenarios mm. and, you know, memory or of scenarios, etc. Yeah. But it isn't, you know, mm. so, 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 Talent is is kind of is is super focused in mm. a way that that is quite surprising when you see the research. Mm. But also, like you said, you know, mm. to kind of hone it, you have to be very deliberate about what it is you're practicing. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Which is why I was asking. Like, so you were saying you want to get better at listening, right? So that sounds like there's almost an argument about trying to identify scenarios where you can quite deliberately practice listening. Mm. Yeah. Well, part of it is taking notes of when you're not doing it as well. Yeah. It's like the the verbal cues that I'm guilty of in my speaking. Mm. Um, there's one, <laughs> but when you start taking note of them, when you start measuring it, uh, yeah. that that is the first step in improving it. It's yeah. sort of I'm, I'm I'm aware of this now in a way that I wasn't before. Mm. And now I'm going to start getting better at it. I mean, that's kind of like the the incalculable benefit of having a mentor or a coach in something, right? Like a person who can play back to you what you're doing um, in in all sorts of different contexts. And like you can play your own coach in some things, right? Like where mm. you can record yourself and you can listen to yourself and you can, you can listen for things and that sort of thing. But um, I think also like... It's really hard to, to ask people that you think do things really well. Like, hey, would you would you listen to me trying to do something for five minutes and tell me where I'm fucking up? Or, hey, would you read this thing? Would and you like, please talk at me and tell me when me? I'm not listening? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. to your to your tennis um, example, that's yeah. you, the other thing is you don't get better by playing with people who are worse than you. Yeah, yeah. And I'm very guilty of doing things mm. with people who aren't helping me move forward. Yeah. I'm not saying that I'm better than them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying that they are not nearly as good as people elsewhere I could be spending time with on similar things that I would learn, you know, a hundred times more from. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So... That's something I've been thinking about too. I went down a little black hole this morning on the internet, like I never do, reading about Peter Thiel, who I really think is one of the most fascinating and troublesome humans on the planet. Um, I mostly want to like slap him in the pussy most of the time, but he's also very, very interesting as like a portrait of a strange Gatsby-esque savant 
psychopath, I think. I don't know. He's just such a complicated and fascinating human. So it started off with me reading an article about how he's trying to create his own island yeah. with no rules and taxes because right. he's a hardcore, like, Anne Randian. Um, and, but I, I ended up finding this great piece. I think it was like a like a five-year-old New York Times like mm. profile piece that was talking about how his interactions with his friends are incredibly academic and he's he's very much a like an academic sparrer. So he'll get into these modes with people like all of his friends where they'll he'll constantly be throwing puzzles at them. So it'd be like, okay, so if we were to represent the number seven hundred and ninety two million four hundred and twenty five thousand in binary, how would we do that? Like what would that be? Like just all the time in his interactions. Um, and like and I think part like this is part of what has led him to this very strange like worldview where he only can interact with very specific kinds of people and it's very excluding and it's awful or whatever um, and he only recognizes certain kinds of intelligence but that's also really fun like thinking about who are the people you play with but also how do you play with them right. how can you get better at playing with the people that you fill your life with like a lot of our friends are really fucking clever people but often when we're hanging out with them we're drinking beer right Absolutely. Yeah. That's a very important point. Yeah. Uh, and one of the people he's playing with at the moment is Donald Trump. Yes. <laughs> Which is horrifying. Well, it is, but also, you know, there's, and this is a complete aside, but the good people need, and I'm not saying Peter Thiel is one of them, but yeah. the good people best get involved now because sure. if they don't, we're entirely screwed. Yeah. Not sure. to go on a, actually, let's. Um, Although, I, like, Peter Thiel, Elon Musk, and Donald Trump in a room is possibly way more terrifying than Donald Trump and Kim Kardashian in a room and Kanye, right? Because, like... Oh, no! Elon Musk no, the letter is way more... Which means he has the power and the will to maybe just destroy the world because it's not even real anyway. <laughs> I would be way more worried about what would happen as an outcome of him consulting with Kim and Kanye. <laughs> I mean, what are I, we even talking about? But, but it's I interesting. Peter, so, so Peter Thiel is advising him, and, and one would expect it would be on kind of investment and, you know, tech. Yeah. But actually, it's on his appointments in the health space. Yeah. Um, because Peter's big obsession at the moment is end of life. Sure. Um, and how we haven't conquered death yet. Yes. Because, of course, like, uh, when you're a billionaire, you know, West Coaster, what do you care about more than being able to live forever? Um, nothing. Sam just went to fetch wine, wine from the kitchen. Sorry, this is important. This is important. <laughs> we live in the Cape, uh, and we have wind and wine. Our life is pretty fucking great, actually. Oh, yes. Let's just stop and observe. <laughs> Sorry. Can we just post, for anyone who might ever find this conversation on the internet, that actually our life is fucking peachy. We live in one of the most beautiful goddamn cities in the world, with amazing wine country, and... Everything is great. And much and wind. the world has gone to shit, but who cares? We're happy. <laughs> One of the things I call myself with, Sam, is that we'll be fine. We'll be safe from the thermonuclear fallout in the Northern Hemisphere. Aren't <laughs> <laughs> so, we one of like the very few countries in the world that's ever voluntarily disarmed our nukes? Yes. Well, we were really good at it. Sure. So we were we were one of the first countries to put up our hands and say, cool, this is a good idea. Thanks, crazy. We'll yes. disarm. Yeah. Um, of course, many countries very rightly said, but USA, will you too? <laughs> and of course, the answer to that question was a resounding no. Yeah. Um, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we were, we were good at that. So Simon. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you were telling me yeah. that one of the things you're thinking about doing this year is buying buying a little plot of land middle of nowhere. Being a survivalist. Yeah, tell me about this ambition. No, it's 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 another thing I want is I live very nomadically at the moment. I've kind of got a backpack and another bag with clothes in and mm. I can I can sail and sail with just those two bags. Yeah. I have all the tech I need with me. I have mm. all the clothing I need. Um, there's a magical thing called laundry that you can do while you're traveling. <laughs> you could wash your underpants and then you don't need so many. And I don't know. Sounds like some suspicion. <laughs> Vicious new technology, <laughs> and I've been I've been living that way for for a while because mm. I've had to you know mm. be in different places every month um, or flip between one place and another. Like a, a good few months of this year, was spent traveling between Cape Town and London. Yeah, um, and and so I've been living nomadically, and I've also just not liked the idea of owning things like washing machines and tables, mm. and mm. you know, mm. uh, and so. I, I do I do kind of want a base, um, but the the kind of life work thing that happens on the road. So I was like, well, well, since I don't, you know, most people choose to live close to their work, and my work is all over the place. So actually, I could live anywhere. Yeah. Why not find a remote piece of land which costs a fraction of what land in the city does or a property yeah. in the city does anyway? Yeah. Um, and just start slowly building something there, mm. and. Um, and set that up as a base and I don't know that this is interesting to anyone but that's part of that's another plan for I this mean, year is find that land <laughs> it is kind find of find like, that that plot noble <laughs> land it must be on a hill by the ocean you just need to to reach your like peak hipsterdom basically like pretty much <laughs> pretty <laughs> much bunker. Yeah, yeah yeah once I've installed a sewage tank I feel like yeah a septic tank sorry yeah then, then I feel like goal achieved. But it does if seem- I have a big beard when I do that. <laughs> yeah, of course you will. I mean, it does seem related to what we were saying there about like the Pareto 80-20 thing, right? Like finding the simple, the fewest number of things that make your life the most happy. Yes. Um, like one thing that I've done a lot of this year and this holiday has been camping. And I, I find, camp- like, I am ridiculously giddily excited by camping. I am a child. <laughs> I get so excited because it's like, yay, I'm I'm now going to take three hours to cook some dinner. Hooray. And I get really, really happy. And it sort of cons- like concentrates your existence down to like all the things that you can pack in a backpack. And that's great. And imagine just living like that. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't like to, to live with having to deal with burying poop and pitching tents every day. But <laughs> I, th- I feel like that's fun once in a while. <laughs> I'm not sure how sustainable it is. God, I mean, this But I'm with you. I hear you. Um, it just shows like humanity. Like humanity is done, man. Like we evolved too much. We, got, we all got like too happy and too wealthy as a species. We have too much. And now all of us are just like imagining going back to some like prehistoric paleo diet time where we live on berries no not at all i mean you know one one of the one of the prerequisites for wherever i do find this mythical plot of land is there must be broadband (laughs) Uh, back to my friend nick young who Mm. has done what i dream of and does have this plot of land Mm. in in the mountains um you know, he's got his four meg microwave link right outside the cottage. He's you know, that's part place. of the deal. He's our important. Yeah, yeah. If, I will go into the wild with Netflix. Mm. Mm. <laughs> mm. 
So, Simon, Mm -hmm. instead of the thing that we normally do where you tell me about an interesting thing that you found recently, tell me about the three things that your brain found over the course of the whole year that you think are, like, have been most important in your life. Oh, wow. That my brain... mm. Well, that you found, like, like, I'm, I'm overstating it. Like, tell me about the three things over the whole year that were, like, the biggest highlights that you found the most important thing i think i got my head around in the last year was uh the notion of a decentralized autonomous organization mm-hmm. and i wrote a blog post about it and and you know if you if you follow sort of the cryptocurrency bitcoin ethereum whatever space you might have heard of the dao the dao um mm-hmm. and its implosion well it's hack and mm. it's it is no longer, mm. but since then there've been some interesting projects like Wings, which is um, a platform for DAOs built on the Bitcoin blockchain, mm. um, and and this notion that we can have decentralized corporate structures void of douchebags mm. that run themselves essentially. Mm. Um, that kind of idea and, and also the nation as a DAO. So BitNation is, is one experiment in having a decentralized nationality yeah. or a decentralized sovereign state. Um, I think that in terms of mind bending and stretching me in, in my ideas, I think that was one of the most important things I found last year. Mm. Uh, the other one was Sandman Overture. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Neil Gaiman. Good answer. Right. Um, and every episode of Adventure Time made oh. in 2016. <laughs> I'm sure the Adventure Time dress that I bought myself for Christmas yet. No. Oh, my God. It's a whole dress full of Adventure Time. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's the bestest. How am I not You didn't stay thing? over at my house on New Year's Eve. <laughs> this is not a No, I went home house. like a same but person. We, in the next mo- the next morning, because we had about 15 people and ended up sleeping on my floor, we just watched, like, cartoons from our childhood. We watched Perfect. Johnny Bravo. We watched Courage the Cowardly Dog. Please tell me Samurai Bill. Jack was in there. It, they, we watched, like, half an episode of Samurai Jack. Fuck, cartoons are amazing. Inadequate. Avatar. Sheep in the Big City, we watched. Nice. Fuck, so good. Yes. So good. Okay, now you need to do the same thing with your three things. Um, your first one was like a big concept thing and very profound. Not really. <laughs> um, okay, so I found this thing early in the year um, called Glorious Trainwrecks. Mm-hmm. And how I found it was I so Cape Town has a big like indie game developer community, and I started hanging out with them a bit, and I learned how to make really basic choose your own adventures on a platform called Twine, and Glorious Trainwrecks is this amazing online community where people share very shitty games that they've made on Twine. Nice. And typically it's like the first video games or computer games that people have learned to make. And they're shit. My God, they're shit. But that platform sort of shifted something in my brain about like how nice it is to make things that make other people smile and are silly and dumb and then share them with people and make gifts for people. And one of the highlights of my year was making like a little a little game and then posting on Glorious Trainwrecks and having like six strangers from across the world like write to me and say that was fun thank you so glorious train wrecks like more for like what it was in my life right yeah but it's also great and there are some real art for art's sake exactly exactly Mm. and the fact that like um so you know the the concept of like if you were um 
like what the kind of level of marathon running. Here's an example: marathon running. The kind of uh, speed that you would have to run to qualify for the Boston Marathon now would probably have let you won the, win the Olympic Games 150 years ago. Right. Did the Olympic Games exist? Yeah. Hundred years ago. Whatever. Fully. So it's like humanity in general has gotten so like gets so much better all the time, right? And it's this thing of like, if we look at the great artists of the last 500 years, there's a sense of there's these one or two amazing people of specific generations, Hmm. um, which obviously is not true and history is more complicated than that. Um, But it's a sense of like, so many people right now are making so much that's so beautiful and that can be really crippling. Hmm. Um, Or we just, and we're more aware of everything now. So, you know. Yeah. I suppose Jermaine is the discussion about how we're actually living in the most peaceful period in history. But yeah. people are more fearful than ever because yeah. we're more aware of the bad stuff now yeah. than we were before. So, no, totally. yeah. so it feels like this, and, and there undoubtedly is so much more good content and good art out there. But mm. but we're it's also amplified by the fact that we're more aware of it and it's easier to find out about yeah, it. Yeah. But I think there's like there's such a call to arms, right? Like with everything, like with how fucked up the politics have been and with like how overwhelming it can feel to be important in the world. It's like more of a call to arms to just do what you can in your little tiny corner of the world and and but put it out there. Mm. Um and like whether it's organizing a book club in your community around like to help people have discussions that are more humane and interesting and thoughtful or making silly games and putting them on the internet or a collection of short stories on medium yeah exactly which oh fuck we should get back to doing that anyway so glorious train ranks was one thing um hamilton i was completely obsessed with hamilton <laughs> soundtrack completely obsessed entirely obsessed everyone should listen to it tell me more no everyone should just listen to the soundtrack I wrote, I wrote a whole listening guide, which I should put on. on yes. Share this with me. Yeah. So, like, I don't think you have to watch the play because who can? Um, the soundtrack is everything that's amazing in the world. Um, and a great example of, like, how you can take an art form that's kind of old and stale and mix it up with contemporary things and make it about history but make history feel really relevant and fresh. It's amazing. It's just the best thing ever. Um, and then I think the third thing that I found this year that was really great was I started reading a lot of like academic books again um, and my gateway drug to that was probably Bell Hooks who's like a great intersectional feminist mm-hmm. um, but very accessible and she has very clear thoughts about um, like she like the book that I was I, I started reading earlier in the year was um, Feminism is for Everybody and it's this great thing about how like feminism has such an important role to play for men and this whole like very oppositional thing that is sort of crept into a lot of identity politics of like men are the enemy is really misguided. Oh, don't get like, me started. You should read it. You'd love her. But anyway, just like that sense of clarity, like how clearly you can take ideas and write about them, mm. but still being really accessible was, was really great. Love it. I would say those three things. Your three things are way better than mine. That's not true. Which Adventure I just time. suck from nowhere. Adventure time is the best. Adventure time is the best on that we can agree. Project Horseman, that was amazing. Yes, I haven't engaged, but I've heard... I've, I've heard all about the Bojack. Mm. Right, Sam. Okay. I ran like nine kilometers and didn't eat anything all day, and now you have put wine in me. <laughs> Is that the face of someone who wants to go to the pub? No, it's the face of somebody who uh, <laughs> probably doesn't have much more coherence in him. Okay. <laughs> 
Simon, I love you. This year is going to be exciting. We're going to smash it, but I love you too. Um, but yes, let's smash it <laughs> in its face. Peacefully, with its consent. Yes, with its consent. Uh, let's do that to it. Um, I'm feeling good, though. I, You know, we, you and I did a lot of cool things last year. We really which, did, though. Which we should talk more about at some stage yeah. on the internet. Yes. Um, and I look forward to doing more of those things this year. Um, and, you know, amongst them, recording more of these conversations with the wind howling in the background. Or maybe without it. Maybe with better sound quality. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we should do that. Deliberate practice. Yes. Let's apply some deliberate practice, bro. Okay. Okay. Kip. All right. Again, I love you, Sam. Love you too, Simon.